the search for identity, that which uh, suits best to this uh, real self that you're discovering. If you know yourself well enough, then you discover what you are best suited for, and then that is what makes you happiest, too. Self-actualization uh, means the making real of the inner self, and that means what you love, what you're interested in, what excites you, what fascinates you, and that is the cause outside yourself, which paradoxically then becomes a defining characteristic of the self. Welcome to the Maslow Peak Podcast, presented by Spring State Media Group. I'm your host, Brad Griffin, and our guest today is Jeanette Insignius. Jeanette is a writer with an interesting niche. She's a personal historian who helps you get your life story on paper to share with future generations of your family. She'll also write copy for your website and help you write that book you've always been meaning to write. Jeanette can be found on Instagram at Jeanette Insignius and on the web at JeanetteInsignius.com. Jeanette, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, Brett. Thanks for having me. So I got to ask, and I'm sure this is going to be the first question most people have, what does a personal historian do? Um, so a personal historian it basically interviews family members and then gathers their stories, the gems from their lives, the lessons they've learned, and puts them onto paper for future generations. Um, sometimes the projects I do become books. Sometimes they're just audio, other times they're rough transcripts, but the whole goal is to really gather those gems and those stories so that they're not lost. Okay, so sort of the sort of the oral history of a family or a person. Exactly. Or, right, okay. And how did you originally get into doing this? So I've always been really interested in people's stories, and originally I started helping professionals write books, and then, you know, someone asked me if I could talk to their grandmother about about her life and I was like of course and so I did and took some notes and then it just kind of rolled on from there okay and then I realized that more and more people really wanted this for their for their family so what did you want to be when you grew up wow well I mean when I was a little girl I I've always been a writer and I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I just knew that I wanted to have it involve words. But I never thought that you could actually make a living from writing because the cliche of writing doesn't pay was always in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. And so I thought maybe I'd become a teacher. My parents are both were both high school teachers, and I love teaching. But I knew I wanted to work with, with people in some capacity of learning and writing. Okay. And this is your full-time work? This is what you do full-time? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. What mixed percentage would you say is the personal historian, the helping people write their books, the, you know, website copy stuff? What do you say your mix is? Um, so there's three facets to my business. One is writing copy for entre creative entrepreneurs. That takes up a, a large load, of, a large part of my time. Okay. And then I would say I do about two personal historian projects a year. Okay. And then books, probably one a year. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that was a question I had for later is how many of these personal histories to, can you do? Because it seems like it would be very intimate. I mean, telling, very so intimate. Yeah, telling someone's life story is intimate. It's part of the reason I like doing these interviews. It's, you know, it's kind of like your life story up to this point in 45 minutes. So what's, mm -hmm. what's the process of this? Do you 
go to whoever this person is? Do you go to their town, meet with their family? Do mm-hmm. they come to you? What's kind of a start to finish rundown on a personal history? Mm-hmm. It's always different. I prefer to see these people in person. I am, so I'll go to their home where they're most comfortable. That's my favorite way to do it. But sometimes that's just not possible. I've had clients that live all the way across the world. And so I will do Skype. But face-to-face is really, is really important. I have also done some over the phone. But the basic thing is to just start with some questions, you know, and get to know who they are. And then I have prompts when people get stuck. But really, what, I, what I've found in my work is that people don't, are not listened to very often. And so just to have the chance to have someone listen to them and to listen to their story is such an honor and a gift that I'm able to give to people and to inquire further about what's happened to them in their lives. So it's a process that can last anywhere from three weeks to three months. Um, it really depends on the individual and also where they're at energy-wise. Some mm-hmm. of my clients are very old, like 85, 90 years old. And so we work around how they feel most comfortable. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Was there a specific moment or instance where you realized, you know, you talked about the cliche of there's no money in writing and trying to figure out being a teacher or something. Did you, do you remember a specific moment where it was like, no, this could be the thing, you know, I can write and I'm good at it and I know I can make a living doing this. Do you remember there being a one instance of when that finally clicked for you? Yes, I do. Actually, it was about how many years ago? Maybe five years ago. I went to, because I didn't go to college for business or anything like that. I went to college for writing. Mm -hmm. And, um, but they never teach you how to make that into a living necessarily, unless you become a teacher. And I, so I started looking at entrepreneurs that I respected. And I went to this workshop with this woman named Alexandra Franzen. And it just blew my mind because I realized that writing is a valuable skill, you know, that people need. And that if you can bring value to somebody's life through writing, that is something that you can get paid for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, it took a while after that to kind of like get my services all together and to figure out how to, you know, the the financial parts of it. But once I saw what she was doing and that she was really thriving and that I myself could really help people through the written word, it kind of just changed everything. Rather than just writing for myself, you look at your your client and you say, how can my ability, my, my words, make this person's life easier, better, smoother, enhanced? You know, whether it's writing copy for entrepreneurs or writing for families, the written word is powerful when it's used, um, you know, deliberately. Mm-hmm. And what was the first personal history that you did? How did you get connected to that first one? The first one I did, I mean, the first one where I really felt like I was honing, because I've been doing it inadvertently for many years, I feel like, even like through high school and stuff without knowing what to call it. But the first one where I really felt like I wanted to um, make sure that my, my process was down was actually for a mom that was writing to her baby, to her unborn baby. And so that is also a personal like history. So she wanted to 
take all the lessons that she had learned throughout her life and give this gift to her child. And so we created a book together. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. So what's a basic daylight for you, mixing all these things and the projects and different types of clients? What's a basic day if there is one? Yeah. Well, every day is different, and I think that's one of the greatest parts about, you know, doing your own thing. Uh, um, But I'm a really organized person. I have to be. So I spend the day basically um, focused on just one client. And so my brain is completely devoted to them. I work best in the morning right when I wake up. So like the first three hours of the day um, are when I get the bulk of my work done. And then um, I like to eat and then do some sort of exercise. And then I work again for another three hours. But usually that's kind of how it goes, three to four hours. Um, But, you know, you can't write eight hours a day. It's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, Because a lot of times you're not producing great stuff. So I really try to, to get the best work done right away. And then I'll edit or I'll do, um, I'll look at different things. I'll pitch people. I have my own writing projects, so I'll, you know, kind of work on those. So those first three hours are where it's at for me. Hmm. When you tell people you're a writer, what's a common reaction? Oh, so what do you write? How do you do, like, what do you do? And so then I let them know. And like, can you, do you make money off of that? And I say, (laughs) (laughs) I say yes, but you know, it takes time. It takes a lot of time to build client relationships taken me years really mm-hmm. a lot of putting myself out there making mistakes failing picking myself back up so yeah people are interested in it I think that people another thing I hear all the time is I've always wanted to be a writer mm-hmm. or I've always wanted to write a book so I love talking about that stuff with people yeah and the word getting people to get that long-running idea for a book on paper and helping them get started. What's yeah. what's usually holding people back? What's your process for getting them going on that? Procrastination is what usually holds people back. They just can't, like, at, at some point, you just have to sit down and do the work. Mm-hmm. And also another thing that holds people back is perfectionism, like wanting it to be perfect. So one of the things I do with my clients who I'm coaching through writing books is I just... I tell them like first drafts, you just got to get everything out. You know, you're just playing around. You, it's, you don't need to be perfect. And then part of writing is coming back and refining your first drafts. So I think people want things to be so, you know, so good because they have such high standards for themselves, mm-hmm. but that's really not how it works. It's kind of like painting. You put the first coat of paint and then you do the next coat and you really just have to get in there and get dirty and just do it. Yeah. That's definitely something I've fallen prey to in my life is that critic's mindset that, you know, I know this has to be great or no one's going to like it and I don't think I can make it great, so I'm going to do nothing. And I think that that's so normal. And But part of the, the work is you got to do a lot of work. you got to just see – and you're not always going to be great. Like some of the things that I write, I'm like, what is that? What did I just write? But then I write I – keep, I keep going. You mm-hmm. just got to keep going. Definitely. Yeah, so that's what I, I help my clients do. I just, just keep going, keep writing, keep working. Another thing that's come up a lot doing these is a lot of times it's the, you know, the fear of, you know, admitting to yourself that you want to do this. You know, admitting to yourself, I, I do want this, I am going to do this, and I'm going to tell people about it. And oh, totally. they're going to have their own thoughts about what that is. They're going to have their own opinions about what it means that I'm trying to do this, what it says about me. And getting over some of that fear can be, you know, one of the hardest hardest parts 
Oh, absolutely. Like being seen, showing your work. It's nerve wracking. It's very it's so vulnerable. Long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very vulnerable. But you know what I think about a lot? And especially doing life history or uh, personal history is that we're going to be dead soon. I know that sounds like very, you know, uh, kind of dark, but Macabre, it really yeah. <laughs> it helps when you when you just go for it because you don't have time to 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 pause or to wait around for your dreams. You got to just go for it. Any preconceived misconceptions about writers that you'd like to put to bed once and for all? I think sometimes people feel like you have to like there's the the thought of writers like drinking and smoking and being self-destructive and all that um that might be an old uh perception but Mm -hmm. really what i've found in order to be a good writer is you have to take care of yourself and you got to keep yourself um like your mind your body your soul because it's the writing you do it but it comes from another place as well Hmm. so i i mean i feel like that's it's not like I'm out there drinking martinis and writing. Like right. I'm, it's it's a, a every day you're just like slugging along and just getting the work done, and it takes a lot of dedication and devotion, really. Yeah, the uh, self-loathing alcoholic is definitely a well-worn movie trope uh, mm-hmm. for writers, yeah. but especially in your work where you're either writing copy for someone else or telling someone's life story. I mean, you've got to be in a positive mindset to be able to effectively do that and. Yeah, absolutely. So I got to ask, have you worked on any of these histories for someone that you ended up not liking the person or finding out things that you that weren't so great that you're trying to communicate this to the family and things that, you know, maybe someone didn't want people to know that came out or this is someone's confession and you're kind of helping yeah. them clear their conscience, anything like that come up? To be honest, I I've been really lucky, but it also is because I screen. I don't work with just anybody. That's part of why I have three facets to my business. Mm-hmm. When you're working so intimately with a family, you have to really align with people that you, you know, that you're interested in. And so I haven't had that yet. I've had a lot of tears. There's always a moment in the personal history where people start crying. So that's um, something that I've had to ho- learn how to hold space for. Because a lot of um, you know, a lot of people are grappling with uh, deaths that have happened in their lives or things that really moved them that they want to talk about once and for all. So I think in personal history, that's I've had amazing clients, but that's been the one thing where, when the tears come, I'm I feel that I I've had to learn how to kind of hold space for that and not get overwhelmed myself with emotion. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No, for sure, for sure. So no deathbed confessions of secret families and <laughs> crazy stuff no, like that. No, not yet, but I'm sure it'll <laughs> it'll come eventually. So what's it like getting to the core of someone's being to accurately express who it is, either that they are or that they'd like to portray, you know, on paper? You know, how do you get to the real intimate center and be authentic and it's not something that I think it can't come overnight. I mean, how have you kind of crafted your ability to get to this core and act, you know, accurately communicate that? Wow. These are really good questions. Thank um, you. Thank you. I try. No, seriously. Jeez. Okay. Um, honestly, 
I think for me, it's, it starts with everything really starts with love, not to be cheesy, but I truly, truly love people. And I think that when I'm talking to my clients that comes through also little things like eye contact, looking someone in the eye and really listening to them, being able to let them know that they're safe. I think that it's very important in my work to, to show up and let them know I'm a safe place for them to tell their stories or to handle their copy for their business. Like this is stuff that's going to go out into the world that other people are going to see. So trust is a huge part of my business mm -hmm. and that takes time and it just takes consistently showing up for the people that I work with, which again goes back to being very um, mindful of who I align myself with in my work. Mm -hmm. And I like to work with people that are honest and authentic themselves and who are doing good work in the world. And with the personal history, I mean, I just, you end up loving these people. They're amazing. You know, another way I help people feel comfortable is I'll let them know a little bit about my life and my struggles. So I show some vulnerable parts of myself and I think that helps them feel a little bit more at ease sometimes as well. But that's only if if I if they don't feel like talking right away. I, f I find that people really want to talk about their lives. Mm -hmm. They really want to have somebody to confide in. And I also, from the very beginning, let them know, like, nothing that we write about will – I will not write about anything until you say it's okay. Right. You know, so you will be able to see all of this before it goes out into the world. Yeah. They're the, the executive producer of their of their self. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Have, have there been any folks that the whole process for them ended up being way different than they thought it would be, you know, substantially different than how they envisioned it going in their heads? Hmm. Uh, I think the an answer to that would be with one lady I worked with. At first she felt like I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can tell my story. And then once we got her going, she could not stop. It was amazing. <laughs> she just, you know, she emailed me. She's like, you've created a monster. This is so fun. Like, and we just, we just got into it. So I think with her, she was like, oh, I have nothing interesting to say. There's nothing about my life that's, you know, it's so ordinary. But then she realized that that wasn't the case because no one's life is ordinary. Yeah, for, in my opinion. Yeah, for most of us, we're our own favorite subjects, so I, I'm not surprised that people in general, once they get going, seem to enjoy the process. They love the process, yeah. I play drums, and I grew up in the late 90s, you know, early 2000s, listening to all the pop punk in the world. So uh, one of my favorite drummers is Travis Parker from Blink-182, and he had an autobiography that came out, I think, about two years ago. Um, and he had his, had his dad and some peripheral figures in the story interviewed but if I remember right, he didn't see what they said until it published because he wanted it to be 100% authentic. So intercut into parts of the story are a passage from someone that was there telling their version of the events. And it, it made for an interesting read knowing that he you know, didn't edit it at all. You know, this is, this is what this person who's important to me thought about this thing that happened. Wow. It's uh, definitely vulnerable. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Our life stories are vulnerable, really opening up about what's what, how we feel and where life has taken us and what we've learned. But I feel like when we are open and vulnerable, it helps heal other people. It helps other people on their journey. Mm -hmm. You talked about that on the website, about the healing power of words. Yes. 
Yes. So I think one of the things about being a human being is that we can all feel so alone in our struggles that we're the only person that's ever felt this way or gone through this. And what I find, and one of the driving forces behind my work is that that's simply not true, but we won't know that that's not true if we don't reach out and tell our stories, mm-hmm. you know? And there's so many you know, people that I've, from hearing their story, I've learned how to deal with a difficult aspect of my own life. And so I just feel that words can be very, very powerful and healing when we allow them to connect with each other. Definitely. So that's a good kind of segue into the next kind of series of questions. So what are you trying to say or do with your art? What do you want people to know about your process, about your results, about writing in general? You know, is there anything, any message, you know, that's a great message to the healing power of words. And that was very eloquent. (laughs) Yeah. What I want people to know most is that, I feel that every day is an opportunity to begin again. And so my work primarily is about connection and the power of words to connect. And so what I try to do with everything, whether it's personal history, copywriting for entrepreneurs, books, poetry, is to connect people to other people and also to connect people to themselves because I don't want people to feel like they're alone because mm-hmm. we're not alone and words have the power to bring people together. So that's what I'm always trying to do. That's what I'm always striving for. You mentioned that you've got some personal writing projects. Uh, anything in particular you're working on right now? So I'm always working on, on poetry. Um, and I, I love poetry. It's like my favorite type of writing. So I work on that. And I'm also working on building my own portfolio. So I like to write about um, the human experience. So I'm writing articles right now and looking to get them published. So that's a whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really fun. So whenever I love, I love my client work, but I always have to keep my own work going as well. They kind of fuel each other. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. What's been your biggest triumph so far? Is there a biggest triumph in writing? in the projects you've worked on? Well, I guess like the first thing that there's been so many ones because anytime someone resonates with your writing, it feels, it feels so good. Like what, when they not only resonate, but it's helpful to them. So those are always beautiful moments, but I think probably like the first time I ever got published felt really big. Like, Oh, I, you know, I can do this. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like 10 years ago. It was just a short story in a literary magazine. But I, you know, I got up every morning at seven o'clock and I researched the places I wanted to be wanted it to be published in. And I took it to the post office and um, just to have that hard work pay off because tr- it doesn't always pay off. Right. You, even when you're working hard, you might not get anything published. And that's just part of writing. Mm-hmm. So that felt really good where I was like, okay, maybe I'm on the right path. And how about any disappointments or failures or things that didn't work out quite how you thought they would? Oh my gosh. So, you know, I've pitched, I've pitched stories. I've pitched poems where magazines were like, no, this isn't right for us. And I, I recently was in a program called 100 rejection letters and that totally changed my life. That was last year Mm -hmm. where I needed to get, I needed to pitch a hundred different places, people's, I'm sorry, people and places and um, 
I got some rejections from those, but what I learned is that you, I can survive them. Mm -hmm. And it gets easier to just put yourself out there once you get rejected. So, I'm, I mean, it just goes with the, with the whole territory. Going forward, how do you define success for yourself? Success to me means using my, my talents, my skills to bring more peace and love to the world and to foster connection. And while also being able to provide for myself and have a good life. Good answer. If this hadn't worked out, if you hadn't lined up with copy clients, if the personal history thing hadn't worked out, if you decided to hang up the pin, what do you think you'd be doing? Do you think teaching would have been an option or do you think you would have found another creative outlet? It's hard because I think about life purpose and I think about this a lot. I'm not quite sure what I would do. I mean, um, this is what I, this is it. And it's like, I'm not giving myself another option, mm -hmm. but you know, I don't know. Life, life is, life is unpredictable. So I can't really see anything. And this is what I've always been. Mm -hmm. So I can't really see another thing for me. That's a common answer. And I think that's how you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing when it's what you wanted to do. You don't see another way. You don't know what you'd be doing. I, that's that's a good answer to have. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. All right, home stretch. Home stretch. So, what do you like to do for fun? You mentioned exercise. Um, you mentioned taking care of your body. Uh, anything else you, you really enjoy doing when you're not writing or telling stories? Yeah, I, I like hanging out with the people I love and uh, eating food. I love food. So, um, and I also I love to read. I like to arrange flowers. Arranging flowers is my favorite pastime while listening to music in my headphones. Mm -hmm. I, I secretly enjoy arranging flowers also. That I don't know if I've ever told anybody that. but I, That's uh, awesome. Any time you get the bouquet and you got to cut some of them to be taller and some of them to be shorter, I, I really enjoy that. It's actually kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it's so soothing, you know? It helps your mind. You said listening to music while you do that. What's the ideal flower arranging soundtrack? it's always different right now. I'm really into a woman named Frazy Ford. And so I just dance around and I basically, I go to the farmer's market, get a bunch of flowers, put them all on the table. And then it's like an art project. Mm -hmm. And then I put them in the house or give them away. And I saw on your Instagram, you've got flowers with, you know, I don't know if they're quite Writing. poems, they're, they're quotes, but some of them are sort of little short poems. Um, yes. Is that, what you're getting out of the flowers or is that the flower that you think represents the vibe or how do, how do those come together? Cause those are really neat. Yeah. So that's a project I jumped on, which is actually really hard and fun. And it's called the 100 day project where you need to create something for 100 days. Okay. I've seen and these I, floating around Instagram. Yeah. And I just realized you don't have to do it a hundred days in a row Whew, because <laughs> that was stressful. So I've committed to writing a hundred true things. Um, and I, a lot of the things that I've been writing have been from things I've learned about life, things I've learned from my clients about life. Mm -hmm. And then because I love flowers so much and I always have flowers around, I throw flowers on top of the writing Okay. and take a picture and send it out into the world. Awesome. Yeah, those are great. I, I really enjoyed seeing those. Awesome. Great. So anything else you're excited about lately? You mentioned uh, The Singer, but any other music, books, movies, anything you want people to know about that you're really into right now? Um, 
I'm really into this podcast called On Being. I am really into a book I just finished called The One Life We're Given by Mark Nepo. And I'm going to see Natalie Merchant this summer, and I'm very excited about that. Awesome. Awesome. I remember I won, what was it, Tiger Lily? Was that the name of the the CD from years and years ago? I won that CD on the radio calling in years ago. It's like the only time I've ever won anything on the radio. You mentioned food also. What uh, what foods do you want people to know about? I'll, I'll tell anyone that will listen, Thai food and Lebanese food are amazing. And if you've never had Lebanese food, you need to go find some. Uh, I don't think I have. Okay. It, I mean, it's generally, you know, Mediterranean, you know, similar to Greek or Turkish, but more, you know, different flavors and uh, different preparations. I, I love it. Yum. Yum. Um, I like, I love all types of food, but I'm mainly vegetarian now. Okay. And uh, my boyfriend is a vegetarian chef. So I get really spoiled with beautiful mushrooms, eggplant. He's always like potatoes, all different kinds of things. So his food's my favorite, I'd have to say. But other than that, I like Mexican food a lot. Mexican food. Mexican food is delicious. You, you can't go wrong. And it, it, the times I've been to... Other parts of the country, and sometimes you're looking, I'll look for a restaurant. It's like I really just want a burrito. Like I really just want. Oh, totally. And I, I love burritos. Like tacos can get out of here. Just I want everything delicious, all wrapped up together, and I want to taste it all at once. I just, I just that says something about my personality. But uh, burritos are the best. Yeah, maybe that's a good personality trait thing. You know, are you a taco person or a burrito person? That's funny. That's good. With all that we've talked about, what inspires you to keep going? How do you keep yourself motivated? Good question. Um, you know, I, honestly, I just always come back to my, like, why, why I'm doing this. And so on those days when it's just like, oh my gosh, what is going on? What's happening? I just remember that connecting to other human beings and in an artistic way makes me feel happy to be alive. Mm -hmm. And I just remember that this is a gift that I've been given and I feel a responsibility to use it and to use it for good. And so I just remember why, why I went into business in the first place. Also, you know, I find I've never worked in a nine to five job or an office or anything like that. And Mm -hmm. I really like working for myself. I love making my own services, creating my own offerings. And, you know, it's hard because it's all on me, Mm -hmm. but just to have that freedom and to have that creativity, it means the world to me. It really does. You mentioned the cliche of that people told you that, you know, you can't make money writing. And I'd say that expands to a lot of different disciplines where, you know, oh, you can never make money pursuing your passion. You know, you, you can't make a living doing that thing that it is that you're into. What would you say to debunk that cliche? You know, I, I don't, I think for some things that might be true. I mm-hmm. think that you always have to remember that, like, I love writing, but the reason why I'm able to make a living from it is because I'm using it to help someone else, right? So um, I'm using it to push other people forward. And so I think that if you can take your craft and take what you love and make it so that it benefits other people, that that is what helps you make a living from something, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> If you were able to go back to the start of the journey, 
Anything you tell yourself? I would say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to fall down. Don't be afraid to be seen. Just go for it. I would have started a lot sooner. Uh, for a long time, I tiptoed around really just putting myself out there until I realized that nobody's going to do it for you. You got to do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to be brave. You really have to believe in who you are, what you have to offer, and that it's good enough. And then you also have to find the grit to keep going and keep going. That's great. That's great advice. Any last words of advice? Life art, creativity, food, anything? Um, yeah. Believe in yourself. Believe in your abilities. And don't give up on yourself. And don't be afraid to fail because it's inevitable. And failure is it's just the other side of success. Very authentic. Very, yeah. very truthful answer. Yeah. And I just have one book to recommend for okay. anyone that wants to write. Sure. Or that is dealing with procrastination, which is every – I procrastinate all the time still. Um, but a book that really helped me, it's called The War of Art. It's by Stephen Pressfield. And it's Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. The War of Art. The War of Art. Okay, you got that, listeners. The War of Art. Yes. Well, Jeanette, thanks for coming on the show. This has been really awesome. It's, uh, I'm glad I was able to turn the tables on you as the interviewer and interviewee. Uh, that's, <laughs> I'm sure it's a little odd being on the other side. Definitely. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, Jeanette can be found on Instagram at Jeanette Insignius, J-E-A-N-N-E-T-T-E-E-N-C-I-N-I-A-S, and at JeanetteInsignius.com. Jeanette, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Brian. This has been the Maslow Feed Podcast, presented by Spring State Media Group. Our producer is Jesse Edmond. If you like what you heard today, you can find all of our episodes on the web at themaslowpeak.com, where you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or SoundCloud to have new episodes automatically pushed to you. If you can rate and review the show, that helps us a lot. You can also check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Maslow Peak. Thanks for listening, and you'll be hearing from us next week. 